hardheads, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are in this wonderful world of ours. Welcome to the Hardheaded Sports Podcast, episode number 36, hosted by me, Nick Ryan. Uh, thank you all for all the support lately, for all that you do, whether it's tuning into the show here or watching the videos on YouTube. All that you do is greatly appreciated. I hope you guys had a fantastic weekend, that you guys are remaining happy and healthy. I was reading something this morning that um, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine some people are actually getting blood clots from that vaccine as some side effects and obviously that's extremely serious so if you or a loved one had taken the johnson and johnson vaccine please do everything that you can to make sure that everything is okay and do your due diligence to make sure that you're not only taking a vaccine if whether or not it's johnson johnson that's up to you but you're taking a vaccine and making sure that the vaccine is working so we can all get over the hump with a virus that's uh it's a year old now it's over a year old and it's hard to believe that we've had an entire year taken away from us like this but moving on something something that kind of <laughs> made me laugh this morning um one of the real pros to doing radio and and to having done radio like i did for five years in the past having done radio one of the things that's really nice is that there's no visual aspect to it unless the uh the radio show is recorded which mine happened to not be uh visually recorded one of the nice things is that you don't really have to worry about what you look like apart from the other people in the room for you so you could come in greasy hair uh, baggy eyes you could be wearing a shirt that you've been wearing for three years although you probably hopefully would be taking a shower so you don't smell as bad obviously <laughs> uh, but it was funny how i was setting up the show today and i was looking through former thumbnails and my videos from the past and saying wow you wear this red shirt a lot nick like you wear this shirt a lot and i never really take into fashion when setting up the show uh, fashion has never been a, a, a forte of mine ask anybody that knows me it's really hasn't been i'm, I'm a, an incredible person to shop for by the way for clothes incredible and i say that completely sarcastically but i was i was setting up the show today and i couldn't help but laugh at myself for thinking you know what you should probably think about wearing something else because i've never had to worry about that before and it's and it's even more funny because i'm literally just sitting here by myself talking to a camera thinking well, you should probably wear something else like spice it up a little bit it's a, it's a blue shirt or it's a red shirt or it's this one hoodie it's like maybe you should start wearing some dress shorts or dress shirts rather maybe you should go to your local target or walmart and pick up the bargain bin just something diversify yourself be fashionable uh and i just couldn't help but laugh at myself for thinking that this morning i've never really had to do that it's 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 never been something that i've had to worry about uh, but it's like, eh, you don't want people thinking you just wear the same shirt all the time, even though I think the reality is, is I just do a lot of laundry and I, I tend to wear this shirt because it's extremely comfortable when I'm recording. So, uh, I, I couldn't help but make myself laugh at that thought this morning. Moving on to the show, we've got a really nice show today. We meaning myself and it, it's a show that's full of a lot of makeup uh, not makeup as in the product, but a lot of makeup topics as in returning topics that I want a second chance to talk about in a sense. Uh, we're going to be finishing the NFL free agency grades at the end of the show. Before that, we've got a couple of segments that I'm really interested to, uh, interested to talk about. And I think a good place to start today is with Deshaun Watson. And this is the main thing that I want to talk about today and kind of restance my position, get another chance to talk about. Because foolishly, <laughs> when I, when when the news about the Deshaun Watson allegation started coming out, and if you've been living under a rock for the past two months or so, 
Deshaun Watson, quarterback for the Houston Texans, is being accused by multiple women, 22, I believe, of some varying degree of sexual assault or uh, sexual misconduct, whether that be forcing the massage therapist, and these are all massage therapists, by the way, or, or some people giving massages. Because as we found out, not all of them are licensed massage therapists. That'll be important going down the road. But to continue, they are accusing Deshaun Watson of some varying form of sexual assault, whether that be forced oral sex, whether that be groping, whether that be um, indecent exposure during a massage, which that's kind of a little bit of a of a funny thing. There's a lot of, of tiny chess moves and, and bits and pieces that are wrapped around in this. And when this move first, uh, or this this... The story and these allegations first came out weeks and weeks and weeks ago. I was very quick to talk about the news because it was recent, and I want a chance to kind of restance myself and redo that take. I didn't end up posting that take on YouTube, which is why probably some of you are like, well, I, I haven't seen your take on this. What, what are you talking about? I talked about it on the podcast, but I didn't post it on YouTube because I felt like it was a little too soon and I should probably have more respect not only for the women, but for the situation in itself. And I should make sure that I wait and do my research and let more things develop. So that's what I'm doing today is I'm kind of well, first of all, I do want to make it very clear that I am not taking a side. I am not taking Watson's side. I'm not taking the women's side. I'm kind of just saying some general opinions about what I think, and I'm pushing all the evidence to the center of the table so you two can make your decision about what's going on. When I first, you know, started covering these allegations, or I stir, I first, you know, heard about it and made the video, I foolishly compared it to eating a, a full pizza. You know, one slice of pizza per one allegation, and these were just when the allegations were coming out. It's like, okay, one slice of pizza, yeah, it's not too much of a big deal. It's it's going to, you know, tide you over, theoretically speaking. Then you have three pieces of pizza. Okay, that's a full meal for most people. That's that's a decent size. That's something that you should, you know, stop. You know, you've had enough pizza. And then there's seven. There there's there's seven allegations. Seven slices of pizza, and you push yourself away back from the table and say, whoa, I'm full, I feel sick to my stomach, that's way too much, something needs to be done. And I feel like that's a little bit too simple, or also a little bit disrespectful to compare such things that way, so I do want to apologize for that. And as I said, I want a chance to restart or reposition myself. Even though I'm not taking sides, I'm, I, I'm taking this chance to kind of have a little bit of a mulligan on that take. If Watson did actually assault any of these women, then he deserves punishment, whether that's suspension from the league, whether that's prison time, he deserves some type of punishment, and I want to make that abundantly clear. If he did actually assault any of these women, that's unacceptable, it's tragic, it's hor it's horrendous, and it should be punished. These are lawsuits that Deshaun Watson cannot afford to lose for him personally. They will more than likely reach a settlement in all of this, I would imagine. It really all depends on whether or not the lawsuit makes it to trial. I would be extremely surprised if this made it to trial. If it does go to trial, it's all being held in one court for consistency's sake. But I was talking with my father this morning. My father is a lawyer with over 30 years, 30 or 40 years of, of experience in law. And granted, the type of law depends on what state you're in. But I, I had a discussion with him this morning 
about, you know, how we felt about this. And we both kind of reached the same conclusions. And I want to share some of those conclusions with you. One of, one of the more prominent conclusions that we reach is that if there's smoke, there's fire. And if there are 22 people that are sharing the same story about Deshaun Watson, that is a bad sign. Now, there's 18 people, supposedly, that are sharing the opposite story. But again, if there's smoke, there's probably a fire. Now, what's causing that fire can be up to interpretation, as it is in the court. There is a very real chance that Deshaun Watson wins against these allegations because the smoke from that fire did not materialize quick enough. Because the court will often take precedence and focus on the actions of the plaintiffs right after the event that is being accused of happening happened. Because of the time frame between the events that happened and the reporting of the lawsuits, the court, more often than not, takes the actions of the plaintiff in 24 hours following the incident very, very seriously. None of them filed police reports when it happened, and instead, the majority of them decided to lawyer up with the same ambulance chaser, uh, Tony Busby. Which, when I first, you know, covered the topic, I'm like, my BS meter is going off because you have this ambulance chasing lawyer, you know, very prominent on social media, piling on these lawsuits. And that was a main point of contention of mine at first. So, essentially... This is all going to turn into a he, a he said, she said conversation in which it strictly becomes a debate of credibility, which will be extremely difficult for these women to win, especially because of who Deshaun Watson is. And that may be unfair, but that's kind of the way that it is. So when I say that it's more likely than not that Deshaun Watson either has all of these charges dropped, these lawsuits dropped, or a settlement is reached with all of these lawsuits, that's where this is coming from. It'll be extremely difficult to combat the credibility of Watson, and it will turn into a he, a he said, she said type of, of lawsuit and trial, if it even makes it to trial. Now, some things, some other things that, you know, we noticed that I, I did want to state as kind of odd. Deshaun Watson made some of these women sign non-disclosure agreements. One of these girls has a copy of the non-disclosure agreement, and that strikes me as very odd. Why are you making your massage therapist sign non-disclosure agreements? That's a question that will need to be answered. You can, you can hypothesize about why that is or what the NDA says, but very, very odd for Watson to be doing that. Another thing that we found to be kind of weird, if you have ever had a massage before, I, I personally have never had a massage before, but I know people that have, and I reached out to them to to ask their opinion of this. And the, the response that I got was more or less the same. If you find somebody that gives a good massage, a massage is kind of like an art. You're, there's different types of art, and not every piece of art is going to strike you the same way, but when you find an artist that you really, really like, you're going to want to stick with that artist. And the same thing kind of goes for massages. If you find that one massage therapist that gets it right, you're more than likely to try and rebook with them and revisit them. Deshaun Watson is visiting more than one, more than two, or more than three massage therapists in the Houston area 
it's going on, I don't know the exact number, but like 40 to 50, I feel like. I, I don't know if that's the exact number, but it seems like the number of, of, of people just keeps piling up to the point where it's like, why do you need this many massage therapists? Are you really having trouble finding the right one that does a really good job for what you're asking for? And can you not find one through your various connections with the Houston Texans? I'm not sure why, you know, Watson is getting massages with so many women, but that's, you know, a really important detail. A good massage therapist is extremely hard to find, so when you find that person, you are more than likely to stick with them. I remember a story that came out uh, talking about, you know, Tom Brady and how he has remained loose and really active this late in his career, and he gets massages from the same two to three people two to three times a week. The number for, for the number for Deshaun Watson seems to be exponentially more than that, so it begs the question, why that many? Now, the other thing that's kind of odd is that, you know, one of these women, Deshaun Watson, flew in from Atlanta. They, they weren't in the Houston area. I believe most of them were in Houston. One was in Georgia, one was in Arizona, and maybe one was in California as well. So he went to extra lengths to fly somebody in from Atlanta to do the massage. In which, obviously, something happened during the course of the massage to result in a lawsuit. And the even more confusing thing, or interesting thing, is that 9 out of the 22 plaintiffs that are being represented by Tony Busby, which is the ambulance-chasing um, attorney. Maybe it's not right to call him ambulance-chasing. That could promote some kind of bias, so I'll I'll cease to call him that. We'll just He's the lawyer rep- representing these women. Nine out of the 22 of them are actually licensed massage therapists, while the rest are either working towards massage licenses or specialized in skin treatments or other wellness therapies. Most of them live in the Houston era. That was per the ESPN article that came out the other day. So to kind of wrap up how I'm feeling here, again, I don't want to take sides And I'm not going to take a side, but pushing all that information and things that I found interesting or important. Two questions. Why is Watson seeing so many of these massage therapists when most athletes only have a select group of massage therapists? Because once you find a massage therapist that does you right, there is no reason to go to anybody else for the most part. And obviously, exceptions are exceptions. And maybe uh, Watson will argue that he is the exception. The exception. Also, why is Watson making some of these women sign non-disclosure agreements? And what is re- what is in that non-disclosure agreement? And furthermore, does that even really matter because of the actions of the plaintiffs waiting to file lawsuits instead of filing a police report within the first 48 hours of the incident happening? Again, oftentimes in court, if this even makes it to trial, the events following the first 48 hours are the most important. And if these women have waited so long, it brings into question the credibility of the actions and it becomes a battle of credibility in which it's, it's a, he said, she said type of battle in which the defendant, especially if they're extremely famous and they have more to lose are more likely to be sided with. So in that aspect, I feel bad for the women, especially if something bad happened and Watson did exactly what they're accusing him of. If Watson did exactly what they're accusing him of, damn him. Damn him, and there should be punishment involved in this. 
Now, a thought that did kind of cross my mind, there is that whole, well, Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson. He is a powerful figure. Maybe these women were scared and didn't come forward. They were afraid of what he could do to their careers. And there is, there was a woman who did explicitly state that she was afraid of that, and Deshaun Watson threatened her of that. Now, whether or not that is true will remain to be seen, but that's kind of where I stand now where with Deshaun Watson, with these allegations. Again, not taking sides, but there are some interesting bits of information that are really confusing, and I'm interested to see whether or not those turn out to be true. Whether or not there's a settlement, nobody will know. I'm sure this will play out over the next couple of months. I would ask you what you all think about this, but I don't know if I necessarily want to start a war in my comment section. So I think everybody should just kind of take it in and have a retrospective and, you know, think about what they make of all these, you know, situations and interesting tidbits with these allegations. So I really wanted to take the time and make sure I, I explain that all as carefully as I as I could and make sure that this 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 case is getting its respect that it requires as opposed to making a you know 5 minute video a couple of months ago comparing Deshaun Watson sexual assault to a piece of pie you know very very unprofessional on my part and again I apologize for that take I've I hope I've rectified that in some case so moving on and we can focus on happier things now I was watching the um Atlanta Braves uh, Philadelphia Phillies game on Sunday night. And if you know anything about me, and I've said this multiple times on the show, I'm not really an avid baseball watcher. Baseball is probably my least favorite sport. I I'll stay up to date with it. I'll, I'll know the players. I'll know the teams. I'll keep up with the news. But when it comes to sports that I would watch, baseball is probably at the bottom of the totem pole, as opposed to out-of-market sports like cricket, rugby, um, even football, like, uh, European and, and, uh, uh, South American football, so soccer. So baseball kind of ranks low on the totem pole for me, but I just so happened to be watching the Sunday night game with the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies. I had just gotten home with some barbecue. Me and my roommate were celebrating my birthday. That was on Wednesday. We hadn't had a chance to celebrate yet, so we were celebrating with some barbecue and some beer. And, and we were watching, you know, the Sunday baseball game. And me not being an avid baseball watcher, was extremely interested in this game. It was a nationally televised game, and the score was close. It was 6-6, six to six, I believe, uh, at the time that this happened. The teams were going back and forth. Acuna Jr. and Bryce Harper, uh, D.D. Gregorius, they were launching homers back and forth at one another. It was an extremely entertaining game to watch. And I, the, again, a person who is not a huge watcher of baseball, said to myself multiple times, Wow, this game is incredibly entertaining. I should watch more baseball. <laughs> and then the controversy hit, like a gigantic slap in the face with a wet towel. The controversy happened. Uh, the The Philadelphia Phillies had a man on third base. Uh, I think his name was Alex Bohm, Alexander Bohm. Hopefully I got his first name right. I know I got his last name right. There was a shallow fly ball into left field in which Marcelo Zuna came up on the ball, steadied his feet, threw a rocket to home plate in which the Phillies actually ran on Azuna. And there was a collision at the plate in which Bohm reached his foot around uh, Travis Darno, who was the catcher for the, for the uh, Atlanta Braves. And Bohm was called safe. 
And at the time, it was a bang-bang play. It looked like he might have been safe, but instant replays showed that he was clearly not safe. There were about five different angles. All of them showed, with timestamps together, that Alex Bohm completely missed the plate at home. He missed the plate, and he should have been out. However, the call was stood or, or, or confirmed. I'm not quite sure what exact language they used, but the call was affirmed on the field, much to the horrendous boos of the Braves fans and to me at home, who clearly saw, along with everybody else at home, who clearly saw that Bohm missed the plate and he should be out. And, of course, the Braves went on to lose that game because of that controversial call, a missed call for most people. And I instantly thought about the Marlins-Mets game that happened last week in which uh, Conforto leaned into a pitch and got hit by the pitch. You're not allowed to lean into the pitch. Should have been called out, should have been run up by the Empire, but wasn't, and that was a walk-off, and the Marlins ended up losing that game, and it was another instant replay gaffe by the MLB. So all of that is to say, the MLB really needs to rectify and fix the instant replay system, because this wasn't necessarily on the umpires. The umpires' call at home plate was bang-bang, you gotta give them some leeway with that. Umpires miss call on the time, but when it's the instant replay in New York... By the Major League Baseball that ends up getting the call wrong when it clearly, clearly should have gone the other way, then that's an issue. And it's unfortunate because you have people like me who like baseball. It's not our favorite sport. We like baseball, but we wouldn't necessarily watch it on TV if it was there. You have a nationally televised game that's close and exciting, probably one of the more exciting games this year. And your instant replay gaffe not only ruins the game, it throws the game off balance and allows a team in the Braves that had the momentum in the game to end up losing the game. And it deters people from wanting to watch again because, hey, if a controversy is going to ruin the finale of an entirely entertaining game, what is the point of watching? And maybe that's a little bit overreactionary because obviously games are not always going to be that close and games are not always going to end like that. But what an absolute shame. I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels this way. And again, the point being, I don't watch baseball. I, I, I stay informed on it. I'm knowledgeable, but it's not my sport that I enjoy watching. I find it boring most of the time. But the first time this season that there is an extremely entertaining game that I feel like watching and I'm invested in and an instant replay miss of a complete... It, it was an easy call on replay, truthfully. To have that call completely wipe out any interest that I had in the game and completely eliminate any interest that I had in baseball that was being generated by that game is a shame. And it's the second time in a couple of weeks that instant replay has completely ruined the conclusion of what would have been mostly an exciting game. And I'm not exactly sure where things can be fixed in that aspect. I don't know necessarily what MLB can do. I would imagine maybe they should invest in uh, having an umpire cam somewhere on the chest plate. Maybe that's a little bit dangerous. I'm not quite sure. But maybe a camera somewhere, whether that's on the face guard, whether that's on the chest of the umpire. Or maybe there needs to be an extra umpire there and entirely, you know. I'm not saying that the MLB needs to strip away the entire instant replay system, but... With the advancements that have been made in other sports like basketball and football when it comes to what instant replay can do, I feel like the MLB is not only lagging behind, but if it's also 
this inefficient to where obvious calls are being missed, then that's a huge issue. And it's ruining a sport that is already kind of low on the ratings. It's ruining a sport that is already a little bit boring to watch. At least in my opinion. Obviously, there's going to be your baseball fans out there. But if the instant replay is going to be jarring interest like that, some changes need to be made by the MLB. And with a collective bargaining agreement coming up soon for Major League Baseball, and as well as the umpires union needing some changes coming up soon as well, this is the time to do it. There needs to be some advancements made in Major League Baseball's instant replay system, or it's going to potentially continue to ruin some of the more exciting games that end up coming out of what has turned into kind of a boring sport. One of the great things about baseball in the past is, was its unpredictability. And whether that's because of, you know, people wanting to ban the shift because it's kind of made hitting one-dimensional. Everybody knows how to figure each other out. There's no duality to anything anymore. Baseball needs some changes. And I think a good place to start is the instant replay system. And granted, again, I'll say it. I don't watch all that much baseball, but the one time I do, there ends up being a... a, a horrifically blown call that ends up completely blowing my interest out of the water and uh, now I'm back to a state of well this kind of sucks I don't think I'll be watching any more baseball anytime soon uh, maybe I will maybe maybe now that I'm saying that I won't you know I end up will go watch some baseball and see if you know we can get some exciting games again but that being what it is MLB instant replay needs some changes you don't need to blow it up just need to change it a little bit and we're going to end the show today with some NFL free agency grades we're going to finally finish finally finish yeah round of applause yeah we're gonna finish everybody finally it's been so long so long gonna finish the nfl free agency grades and we're ending today with the nfc north and we are going to as we always do we're going to give out the grade first and we're going to go mostly alphabetical so uh maybe if you're a fan of the minnesota vikings you can skip to the end of the video maybe i'll give some time stamps actually that might be a good idea uh, but starting with the Chicago Bears, who get a D-plus for this NFL free agency. We're going to have a lot of low grades today, ladies and gentlemen. The Bears were a big disappointment this offseason in free agency. They didn't have the cap space to really make any moves, but what they did with the limited amount of cap space that they had was really horrendously confusing. Um, to put things into perspective here, they tried to trade for Russell Wilson this offseason. They were offering an, an obscene amount of draft capita and players. And since, you know, that was never going to happen, despite the media hype, Russell Wilson, I think, was never really ever going to be traded. Since that didn't happen, and since it was never going to happen, they had to release one of the best cornerbacks in the league in Kyle Fuller to create some cap space to sign. Drum roll, please. Try not to shake the camera too much. Andy Dalton. <laughs> they released Kyle Fuller to sign Andy Dalton. And I understand that the Bears needed a quarterback, but especially after we saw what Carolina did with Sam Darnold, Ryan Pace... Oh, you couldn't pull off the Sam Darnold trade. You ended up releasing Kyle Fuller to sign Andy Dalton, who they could have signed last year for cheaper when he was released by the Bengals, but instead opted to trade for Nick Foles. When you lay it all out like that, it's a little, it's a little bit of a cringeworthy uh, offseason there for the Chicago Bears. The Bears were able to tag Allen Robinson, but unless they you know, pull some money out of somewhere where the sun don't shine. They might not have the money to, they might, they might not have the money to sign him next season. The bears, one really good signing apart from tagging Allen Robertson was re-signing Mario Edwards, who had a really good season last year and got uh, him some additional help with Khalil Mack. Um, some more help around the defensive line 
but they didn't really get better in free agency this offseason otherwise. In fact, I would make the argument that they got worse. If anything, you can argue that they got much, much worse. They'll probably end last in the division. Well, actually, no, the Lions are in the division. They probably are not going to have that great of a season next season. I would argue the Bears get a D-plus for this year's free agency. Moving on to the Lions, who get a C for this free agency period. The main thing with the Lions is free agency is that they lost so much, uh, especially on offense. Not only did they lose Matthew Stafford, who, granted, it was probably his time to go. He wasted so many years of his career in Detroit, it was probably time to move on anyways, but they also lost their two top wideouts in Marvin Jones Jr., Marvin Jones Jr., excuse me, and Kenny Galladay, and they also were, uh, lost a reliable third man in Muhammad Sanu. So it's pretty clear to me that the Lions go wide receiver with their number seven overall pick in the draft. I would be surprised if they didn't. They need to get back a potential star wide receiver. The Lions also let go of Danny Shelton on the line and Desmond Trufant, quarterback, two capable starters on defense, albeit a little expensive. The Lions did re-sign Romeo Aquara, which was big. That was probably their best signing, and they got him at a decent price. They also traded Michael for, uh, for Michael Brockers with the Rams, so they did get some additional help on the defensive line, and they got some additional depth pieces at running back and wideout as well. Uh, they also got a late signing from Quentin Dunbar, which will help replace Trufant, but it's very clear that this is the beginning of the rebuild for the Lions, and the Lions lost a lot of star caliber players or at least starter caliber players this offseason. Their only really good signing was Aquara, so you can only give the Lions about a C. The draft is where the Lions are going to make strides if they do make strides in the upcoming seasons. The Packers, the Green Bay Packers get a D plus. The Packers have had another frustrating offseason filled with cap space issues and a lack of signings. I've made a video specifically <laughs> on the Packers' lack of signings, and it extremely frustrated me then. It extremely frustrates me now. When your three biggest signings are Aaron Jones, Kevin King, and Mercedes Lewis, that's kind of an issue for a team that is very apparently in need of some extra help at wide receiver, and is just a couple of pieces away from being able to jump over the hump of not making it to the Super Bowl as the NFC participant. So with the knowledge that the Packers need a little bit more help to get over the hump and with Rodgers working more or less to get out the door sooner rather than later, the fact that the Packers are making no moves in free agency really frustrates me. Uh, instead, a lot of the talk about the free agency or excuse me, the Packers in this free agency has been about Rodgers contract and why or why, why not they are not restructuring it. You know, I'm just really frustrated with Green Bay because Rodgers only has a few more chances to get another ring, and the Packers ideally have been on the precipice of a title for nearly every single year for an entire decade now, and the fact that they only have one ring with Rodgers is embarrassing. You need to crack open a few eggs at some point, Green Bay. The Packers get a D plus, And last but not least, to tie the entire bow on the knot, the entire bow on the the entire knot on the bow uh, for these NFL free agency grades. We have the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings were one of those teams coming into the offseason that I was very curious to see what they would do. They didn't necessarily have the best cap space situation in the world. And I ask the question often, especially during the front office frenzy segment that we did for Minnesota. Are the Vikings a good team that had a bad season or a bad team that needs some serious overhaul? And I ventured more towards the side of a good team that had a bad season. And their answers in free agency kind of proved to me that they also agree. Um, I think 
that as a start to answering that question, the Vikings had mostly a pretty good free agency. They signed Dalvin Tomlinson from the New York Giants to plug up the middle of the line, which was a huge issue for the Vikings last season. They signed Patrick Peterson as well, who I think is going to be a really good mentor for Cameron Dantzler, who was their third-round pick last year that came on strong towards the end of the season. So you get some experience at cornerback. Patrick Peterson may be on the backside of his career, but he is still a valuable asset in my opinion. They also signed Xavier Woods to help with the secondary. So the Vikings have done well to address the holes in their defense that held them back um, or held the team back overall. And the team had a really good offense last year. So it was really the defense that was holding them back. If the Vikings can just find some offensive line help in the draft, they will be in a good position to get some success. But if they don't, then it's not going to be a really valuable free agency for the Vikings because they didn't go after an offensive lineman. So if they don't get an offensive lineman in the draft, it's going to be a huge oversight that they didn't get one in free agency. In fact, they let go of one actually with Riley Reef. Um, so there, I almost said a completely different name. If you know, you know. Um, the Vikings get a solid B, and that is the end of the free agency grades for the 2021 NFL offseason, and that is likely the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Another shorter show today, but we will be back with more content later in the week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. This will be up on YouTube as soon as I can get it up. You are listening to the Hard-Headed Sports Podcast, episode number 36, hosted by me, Nick Ryan, and with that being said, stay hard-headed, everybody, but have a nice day.